Today is April 9th, 2021, and our first story. The prosecution in the criminal trial of Derek Chauvin has had a good day yesterday and seems to be having a pretty good day today. However, the defense did score a major slam dunk when the state's witness admitted if she had walked into a room and seen George Floyd, she would have concluded it was a drug overdose. When asked, what if he didn't even have the drugs in his system by the defense? She said, a heart condition. This could open the door to reasonable doubt, but let's let's be clear, the prosecution did have a good day today, so let's go through all of that. Our next story, Jimmy Kimmel is blasted for joking about Hunter Biden's drug addiction, and they're called dumb and dumber by social media by ignoring the major Biden scandals and doing a softball interview. And lastly, March saw the most migrant children crossing the border in history with 19,000 kids in a single month. The Biden border crisis is getting worse. Before we get started, leave a good review for the show if you really do like it. Give us five stars, leave a positive comment. And if you really, really like the show, please consider sharing it with your friends. That's the best thing you can actually do to help the show. Now, let's get into that first story. Make no mistake, yesterday was a particularly good day for the prosecution in the criminal trial of Derek Chauvin. A medical expert who was not paid testified that it was the actions of Derek Chauvin that resulted in the death of George Floyd, explaining how Floyd would not have been able to inflate one side of his lungs due to the pressure on his back. And they even had an exhibit where Derek Chauvin's foot was off the ground, meaning at least half his weight was going into the neck of George Floyd. I saw this photo and I thought it was very compelling. But even though it was a good day and today seems to be a good day, the defense still scored a major slam dunk. And it seems that previous testimony over the past several days, well, it's just been backfiring on the prosecution. So even with this one good moment, it still seems, in my opinion, Derek Chauvin is on track for an acquittal. And the rhetoric from those paying attention and actually being honest seems to be very much so that this is all but over. Now, that would be foolish to conclude. It's not even to halftime yet. The state is presenting its case, and the defense has yet to bring up its witnesses. But today was particularly interesting. The medical examiner today testified that George Floyd did die due to the actions of the police. But her conclusion was based primarily on the fact that she watched the video. When asked about what would you conclude if you just saw George Floyd dead and you didn't see this, she said heart disease. What if he didn't have a heart condition? She said overdose. But I did see the video. She claims it was the police action, which is interesting because you need to keep in mind it's not about proving absolute guilt. It is just about raising reasonable doubts among the jury. Now, this could get political. The jurors might think to themselves, I don't want my city to burn down again because they all know what will happen. And they might still say Derek Chauvin is guilty or the evidence may not be all that compelling. But there was one major moment a few days ago. The expert witness that was brought in by the state who was paid to be there actually testified to the fact that upon arrival, Derek Chauvin would have been legally right if he pulled out his taser and immediately shocked George Floyd. If you're not aware, tasers absolutely can kill and cause cardiac arrest. And Chauvin chose to use a lesser force option. That being the case, it sounds very much so like reasonable doubt. Right now, the defense is going above and beyond. They don't need to prove that Derek Chauvin didn't kill George Floyd. 
What the defense needs to prove or, or simply raise is reasonable doubt as to whether or not Chauvin had intent to cause harm or was negligent. They could come right out and say, we know that George Floyd died because of Chauvin, but Chauvin did not intend to do this and he wasn't negligent in his actions. They're going even beyond this. They're raising doubts as to whether or not Chauvin had anything to do with the death of George Floyd. And boy, did they get a slam dunk today. As I mentioned, when the expert witness for the state said if she walked into a home and saw George Floyd this way, she would have concluded it was an overdose. Again, not definitive proof. And many on the left are saying, yeah, well, we all saw the video. And she's saying only in a hypothetical circumstance, my friends, reasonable doubt much. Well, let's read what the mainstream press is saying, because I want to be fair. Okay, these were good days for the prosecution. They do have very compelling evidence. The jury is hearing in no uncertain terms. Chauvin did this, but there's so much more to the case. And if you only read the mainstream media, they're not giving you the full picture. And I'm going to prove it. I'm going to show you exactly what they're saying. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com to become a member and get access to exclusive members-only segments of the TimCast IRL podcast. More importantly, becoming a member is a way for you to support my work in the event that we get purged, banned, or silenced, because, you know, we here at TimCast and TimCast IRL challenge the establishment narrative. Well, if we get banned, we will put all our content up at at TimCast.com, and your membership helps us produce this. We're also going to be doing shows, music, movies, comedy specials. We're just going to be producing more and more content and culture to help make positive change, I suppose. Also, don't forget to like, share, subscribe, hit that notification bell, and I'll stress it again. Share this video if you really, really think this is important, because I do. I'm reading CBS right now. I'm reading CNN. I'm reading the mainstream press, and they are not telling you the truth about what's going on in this in this trial. Now, now hold on. They're telling you facts, but they're giving you only key details while omitting many other key details. Let me give you a simple analogy before we read this from CBS News. Imagine you're watching a boxing match passively. You're at a bar. You're talking with your friends and you can hear the announcer in the background saying, wow, the prosecution slam dunk, the prosecution slam dunk, the prosecution slam dunk. You're thinking, man, prosecution's got this in the bag. Chauvin's going to jail. Then what happens when Chauvin is acquitted? You see, what's happening is the announcer isn't telling you the slam dunks the defense is nailing and they may, they may be getting more. This is when it comes to trial, what you need to understand about what is fair and unfair is not equal. The defense doesn't need to raise an equal amount of points to defeat the prosecution. They need only a few to establish reasonable doubt. Well, take a look at what CNN reported today. Live updates. Medical examiner who conducted George Floyd's autopsy takes stand. The medical examiner who conducted the autopsy of George Floyd has taken the stand in the trial of Derek Chauvin, the fired Minneapolis officer charged in Floyd's death. Hennepin County medical examiner, Dr. Andrew Baker, is testifying about Floyd's cause of death. Baker's testimony comes after three medical experts testified for the prosecution that Floyd died of oxygen deprivation, not drugs, as the defense has suggested. The first witness to take the stand Friday was forensic pathologist Dr. Lindsay Thomas, who testified for the prosecution. She said Floyd would not have died that day if he hadn't been restrained by the police and explained that she was able to rule out a heart arrhythmia or fentanyl overdose as case of death. Quote, the actions of the law enforcement officers resulted in Mr. Floyd's death. Specifically, those actions were sub- subdual restraint and neck compression, Thomas said. I will pause again. 
Very compelling. No joke. I've seen the images and the stills. Very compelling. If Chauvin is guilty, so be it. He should go to prison. If he's not guilty, then he should be acquitted. So far, based on what I've seen, and the fact that defense hasn't even begun its case, I, I am leaning absolutely towards an acquittal on all charges. But I'm not a legal expert. I'm just some dude on the internet complaining in front of a camera. So I could be wrong, but let's read more. Thomas testified she was able to use the video of the fatal arrest to help her rule out other causes of death, including a heart arrhythmia and a fentanyl overdose, two causes the defense has suggested. Thomas said someone who died of heart arrhythmia would typically experience a sudden death. She described an example of someone shoveling snow, clutching their chest and falling over very quickly. But in Floyd's case, she said there was nothing sudden about his death. That's I'm going to I got to stop. OK, I'm confused. It was sudden. It literally was. Floyd was yelling and resisting actively with strength. According to the expert testimony from one of the state's own paid witnesses, the active resistance was legal justification for Chauvin to walk up with a taser and tase George Floyd. He was actively resisting with strength and using his legs to eject himself from a police vehicle. He said, put me on the ground, put me on the ground. So they did. George Floyd was yelling mama and things of that nature. At one point, he's accused of, of yelling something about ingesting drugs, though we don't know if that's true. George Floyd was expressing himself vigorously. And then all of a sudden he wasn't. I don't know how you describe that as not sudden. Perhaps George Floyd couldn't clutch his chest because he was pinned to the ground. Perhaps the officer's actions did lead to this moment. But I certainly think this is a politically biased assessment. But it doesn't matter what I think. It matters what the jury thinks. Those are my thoughts. Let's read more. She said she was also able to use video to rule out a fentanyl overdose, during which someone would typically become sleepy and their breathing would gradually slow. Thomas said she felt comfortable, comfortable ruling out both of those causes of death. Far be it from me to challenge the expertise of a medical examiner, and I will state it for the 50th time. Very compelling. The only thing I could really say to this is maybe the methamphetamine. It was a speedball. It wasn't just fentanyl. So she said she ruled out a fentanyl overdose, but the dude had 19 nanograms per milliliter of methamphetamine in his system. That's an upper. That's a stimulant. To me, I, I don't see this as a definitive statement. Will the jury? We'll see how the, how the defense handles this. And I think they did a very good job, but let's read more. Her testimony came a day after another medical expert, Dr. Martin Tobin, testified Floyd died from a low level of oxygen that damaged his brain and caused his heart to stop under the weight of officers pinning him down. Emergency physician and forensic medicine specialist Dr. Bill Smock took the stand Thursday and gave a similar opinion, saying Floyd died not of a drug overdose, but because he had no air left in his body. However, on redirect, the defense got some of these experts to say, Fentanyl overdose causes you to slow your breathing and, and, and stop. In fact, one expert said it was literally the reason fentanyl was dangerous. Again, a major slam dunk for the defense. When asked, the defense said to this medical expert, is it, is it true that fentanyl is considered one of, the, one of the reasons fentanyl is considered dangerous is that it depresses or suppresses your respiratory system? And the doctor went, it's the reason, the reason, not just a reason. Fentanyl, when you take it, you slowly stop breathing. You're not taking in enough oxygen and you die. That could be the contributing reason. And, and, and look, maybe not. Maybe it wasn't definitive. But dare I say those words again? Reasonable doubt. CBS says Chauvin, who was seen in disturbing videos kneeling on Floyd, 
is charged with second degree, third degree, second and third degree murder and manslaughter. Chauvin has pleaded not guilty. So this we understand. Now, where in this story do they mention the defense one time? They don't. Why not? The defense scored a major slam dunk. Will Chamberlain, who's actually a lawyer, not in this field, but he understands law, said on cross-examination, Dr. Lindsay Thomas, a prosecution expert witness, concedes that if she was examining a dead body that died just at home without George Floyd's heart problems and with his level of fentanyl and methamphetamine, she would diagnose it as an overdose. But hold on. What about all that stuff about sudden death or getting sleepy? Well, I could see the video. That's a fair point. But there's so many circumstances. The question is reasonable doubt. Jack Posobiec highlights this one portion. The defense says, if you found if you found George Floyd in his residence with his heart like this, what would you conclude was his cause of death? The medical examiner says heart disease. We have more. The defense says, was there any evidence of pressure on George Floyd's back at the autopsy? The medical examiner said no. That is beyond a slam dunk. It's a grand slam. I know two different sports, but you get the point. You testified to me that based on what you saw and this guy yesterday, that it was the pressure on George Floyd's back that prevented him from breathing. But the autopsy showed no evidence of pressure on his back. That means if you didn't look at the politically charged video where people are yelling and they're screaming and they're saying he's killing that man, you would have concluded heart problems or drug overdose and found no evidence of pressure on the man's back. Amazing. Listen, the defense does not need to bring about reasonable doubt as to the cause of death. The charges against Derek Chauvin are second degree murder, third degree murder and manslaughter. What this means, second degree murder is the intent to kill, but not premeditated. Third degree murder is intent to cause harm resulting in death. And manslaughter is negligence that results in death. Perhaps they could try and argue negligence. But the point is, the defense can say outright in no uncertain terms, the defense can look the jury in the eye and say, Derek Chauvin killed George Floyd. It was his actions that he took that resulted in the death of George Floyd. However, he had no intent to kill George Floyd. He did not have any intent to cause harm to George Floyd, and he wasn't negligent because he was performing a ground control maneuver to restrain an actively resisting suspect. So while George, George Floyd may have, may have died, or you could definitively say he did die because of Derek Chauvin, the defense need only say Chauvin was trained to do this. He was told to do this. He was charged by the state with literally doing this. His intent was not to cause harm or to kill, and he wasn't negligent because he was doing the training as he understood it. Not negligence, simply doing his duty. Can we be mad that George Floyd died because this officer was just doing his duty? Absolutely. But the problem here is the state, the war on drugs and the police training, not the individual officer. With that being said, the defense is going well above and beyond. They're actually raising reasonable doubt as to what even killed George Floyd. Right now, you have a medical examiner saying it could have been an overdose. I don't think it was because I saw a video, but if I didn't, you know, if I just saw the man, I would have ruled this. I'm sorry, man. That is absolutely reasonable doubt in my opinion. In this tweet from Jack Pazobic, 
If you found George Floyd at home with that amount of fentanyl and meth, would you rule it an overdose? Yes, an overdose. And immediately many people started saying things like, but it's a hypothetical. She's, she's just saying hypothetically, no, she's saying she knows what caused his death. An expert opinion is not an absolute fact. The defense knows this, and they are, as I stated, going above and, above and beyond. By raising reasonable doubt as to what caused the death of George Floyd, they're undercutting the entire set of charges. If that doesn't work, the defense can fall back on, well, you heard there could have been other reasons for the death of George Floyd. Though the experts disagree, there is the possibility. Would you agree? Yes. That's basically what they've all said. We've also heard expert testimony that Chauvin could have used more force and he chose not to. So intent is out the window. Okay. All that being said, Chauvin did not want to kill or harm George Floyd. He simply wanted to have him restrained until the EMS arrived. As the other Minneapolis police detective or department cop testified to, he said that he had done similar things, restraining someone until the EMS arrived. So you could actually argue, and this is crazy, that Derek Chauvin was simply trying to restrain Floyd in order to help him, in order to keep him subdued while help was on the way. I'm sorry, negligence is out the window in that case. During the IRL pod, uh, during, during, uh, during one of our episodes of the Timcast IRL podcast discussing this, Ian, who many of you may know if you watch the show, brought up a really interesting point. He said he thinks it, could, it will be murder because Chauvin and Floyd actually worked at the same establishment at the same time some time ago. Many people brought this up. They wondered if Chauvin knowing Floyd was now going to be used to say, wow, he knew this guy. He probably killed him. But I counter with something else. When we learned that Derek Chauvin could have used a taser and chose not to, my question is this. Could it be that Derek Chauvin was given a priority one call, which is where they tell you to put your sirens and your lights on? They say we've got a six foot five, 230 pound man resisting arrest and we need help now. So Chauvin speeds to the scene with his lights on. Priority one. <clears throat> he gets out of his vehicle grabs his taser and then sees the man and goes, dude, that's Floyd. I know that guy. I can't tase him. I know him and puts his taser away and chooses to use a restraint instead. I'm not saying it's true. I'm not saying Chauvin is a good guy. I don't know. But why did everyone immediately assume that just because Chauvin knew Floyd, it was a bad thing? You could actually argue, is it possible that Chauvin decided to use a lesser force option because he knew Floyd? That throws negligence and intent again out the window. My friends, there are multiple points of reasonable doubt here. Like I said, though, the media tends to only give you one perspective. Will Chamberlain mentioning the uh, cross-examination, I tweeted, the defense just needs reasonable doubt that Chauvin had intent to cause harm or act negligently. This is them raising doubt as to whether Chauvin was even responsible for killing Floyd. Now, before I get into the medical testimony, because I do want to bring up the, the, the legal insurrections analysis from yesterday, because I don't want to just sit here and tell you all's well in Chauvin land. No, I want to be honest and I want to talk to you about the benefit or the, the prosecution's gains on this one. I want to make sure you understand that they're actually not doing all that bad in these past couple of days or yesterday. I should say yesterday and today. The point is, however, should I come out with another video titled Prosecution Does Well? when it's all the mainstream media is saying, I can't in good conscience do that. I definitely want to make sure I read you the story talking about what they did well. But I have to highlight 
the defense making gains. Otherwise, people will only hear that one side. It's a challenge. It really is. Before I get into this about the medical wrap up, I want to point out some jury irregularities. This is really interesting. Check this out from CNN. Judge questions juror about outside influences in Chauvin trial. A member of the jury in the Derek Chauvin trial was questioned Friday morning by Judge Peter Cahill about some concerns expressed over outside influences, according to reports from two courtroom pool reporters. The questioning of jurors took place on the record before testimony in the trial began Friday, but broadcast of video and audio was not allowed by the judge. Now, that's interesting to me. The woman juror told Cahill she had turned on a television and briefly saw coverage and saw an image of the courtroom with a woman with dark hair. The woman explained to the judge that her volume was off and she quickly turned off the TV, according to the report. When Cahill asked the woman if she had any contact with her family about the case, the woman replied that her mother-in-law had texted her and said, looks like it was a bad day, according to one report. The second pool reporter differed and said the text was from the woman's mother. The woman told the judge she did not respond to that text. Quote, any book deal in the works? Judge Cahill asked. The woman became slightly flustered or surprised, according to one report. No, I don't know how this case is going to go. The woman responded. She reiterated she hasn't talked to anyone about the trial. According to the reports, after the woman left the courtroom, Cahill asked if attorneys wanted to make any motions. Defense attorney Eric Nelson declined. Prosecutor Steve Schleicher, Schleicher, Schleicher said he would like the record to note the woman's demeanor. Cahill noted the woman seemed surprised. Interesting. Did someone offer a juror a book deal? I wouldn't be surprised. If that's the case, is this juror tainted? And is there going to be an acquittal or a conviction? What would make the book sell more? In my opinion, an acquittal. You know why? Right now, as I mentioned, the media keeps saying the defense is doing really well. And there's some good reasons to say so, but they're omitting key evidence, key, key instances that are great for the defense. If everybody hears the prosecution is winning and then the prosecution loses and Chauvin is acquitted, what would make a book sell? A juror writing, here's how Derek Chauvin got acquitted. And she'd probably say, I was opposed to it and I ended up, I wanted guilty, but oh no, all the other jurors. That's what you could expect. Because if Chauvin is convicted, and again, he may be, why would someone want to read the book? Which is interesting. Because the woman then said, no, I don't know how the trial is going to go. Perhaps the book deal was, in the event that Chauvin is acquitted, would you like to write about how it happened? In the event he's convicted, as many, as many people watching mainstream media would expect, who's going to want to read a book about why it happened? Some people, I suppose. Well, here's the analysis from Legal Insurrection. They have been absolutely nailing it. I am not a legal expert, but Legal Insurrection has made it very easy for me to understand. For the most part, there's some jargon in there. Andrew Branca has been tracking the case live. And I, based on, look, I watched the trial live. Branca seems to be giving the most honest interpretation of what's going on, not omitting things and telling you to your face, today was good for the prosecution, today was good for the defense, yesterday was this, yesterday was that. And that's what I expect. I, I, I'm not going to, I can't imagine reading CBS and thinking like all of this great stuff for the prosecution and just assuming the defense doesn't exist. There's a defense in this case. There's a lawyer. He's arguing things. What are they? CBS didn't say it. It's going to be bad. Legal Insurrection says Chauvin trial day nine wrap up. Medical experts resuscitate prosecution case. Brilliant writing, by the way. Medical expert gave testimony the state needed without imploding on cross. It was it was really good. 
Bronco writes, today, and so I'm, so, I'm sorry, this is from yesterday. The state presented three medical and science experts. The first was Dr. Martin Tobin, physician in pulmonary and critical care medicine, Chicago, presented an expert witness on respiratory matters. As an expert witness on respiratory matters, he was followed by Daniel Eisenschmidt, forensic toxicologist at MS Laboratories, who was involved in drug testing Floyd's blood. And the day closed with Dr. William Smock, emergency medical physician and self-described police surgeon, who, ex- who discussed excited delirium in some cases. He goes on, uh, Bronca says, I won't bury the lead. Today's trial proceedings looked a lot more typical for a prosecution presenting its case in chief than has been the case so far in Minnesota v. Chauvin. What I mean by that is the state finally had a day in which its own witnesses did not end up doing the defense more good than themselves. That's a very important point. This is the day nine rack, wrap up for uh, witness uh, for, for the trial. And one day so far, the state's witnesses didn't backfire. Incredible. Bronca says we've grown so accustomed to Nelson simply having his way with prosecution witnesses that today might appear as if it were bad for the defense. It would be more accurate to say it was not a great day for the defense, which is quite a change from past experience. In truth, however, this is what every day of the trial should have looked like so far. Right now, it is the prosecution in charge presenting their case in control of direct questioning. The defense is very limited in what they can do on cross-examination. They can't simply produce their own evidence for the jury. They can't argue with state, state's witnesses. They are limited in their cross-examination to only the issues the state has chosen to raise in their direct questioning. These are, are, these are all real and substantive constraints on the defense while the prosecution is presenting their case in chief. The amazing thing about this trial to date is how well the defense has been doing even while well bound by those constraints. Today was again far more typical of what, you, what should be expected. The prosecution is putting forth its witnesses, framing the issues the way they want them framed, asking the scope of questions the way they want them scoped, and, and it goes on to say every day should make the prosecution look just awesome. The turnaround on that perception really ought not to be expected until the defense has their turn at bat, gets to present their own witnesses to frame the issues the way they want them framed, ask the scope of questions the way they want them scoped, and the state finds itself bound by all the constraints that so far have limited only the, only the defense. This is also why I urge all of you not to make day-to-day judgments about how the trial is going, at least not in the sense of expecting any day's events to predict the likely outcome of the trial. A football game is not decided in the first half, and a criminal prosecution ought not be expected to wrap when only the state's version of the narrative has been fleshed out in court. Now, the reason I wanted to read that uh, in detail, you mean to tell me, sir, good sir, Mr. Branca, that it's not over yet. You don't want me to draw any conclusions. But in your opinion, it's been going really bad for the prosecution for some time, and the defense hasn't even begun to fight. We have not yet begun to fight, saith Defense Nelson. Okay, uh, you're the legal expert, and with respect, I'll take your word for it. It's very, it would be very smart to wait, because what if the defense falls apart and their case is just awful? I don't think so, though. I think we are watching a trouncing. We are watching the defense have its way with the prosecution, and they're not putting up that good of a fight. Now, they've been able to get some good points in so far based on what I've seen. But when I watch this as someone who's not a legal expert who knows only, you know, basic things about law, what you need to understand is that the lawyers, the the, the prosecution, the defense are trying to make this understandable by laymen, the jury, regular people, not lawyers. So I don't know what what the jurors think, and I don't know how their biases and opinions will play into this. 
But I, as an outside observer, we'll say we'll say we'll say it for the sake of an impartial outside outside of observer. I think it's going really well for Chauvin. The reason for that is I'm reading more than the mainstream press. I'm reading legal analysis from conservatives and moderates, not necessarily liberals, because they're only really telling you what you want to hear, to be completely honest. But I'm watching MSNBC. I'm seeing what they're saying. I'm watching the trial and I'm hearing what legal insurrection and conservatives are saying. And I got to tell you, if you're listening to the news, the mainstream press, yeah, you're on a bubble, man. Reasonable doubt. And don't you forget it. He goes on to say, the state got what it needed to get done today with expert witnesses who unambiguously told the jury that Floyd's death was the direct result of the police restraint used to hold him for EMS, period, and that nothing else mattered. Not Floyd's fentanyl level, not Floyd's substantial comorbidities, not Floyd's poorly made decision to fight for police officers against lawful arrest. So as would normally be expected at this point in the trial, but which has gone missing up to now, the state had a good day. That's not to say the defense did poorly within the constraints already described. I will note that defense counsel Eric Nelson definitely appeared tired today. He was hoarse and clearing his throat. Could he be wearing down with any luck tomorrow, Friday, will be an early day and he'll have the weekend to get some rest and relaxation. I trust he'll be back to form on Monday. It must be said that getting handed new state exhibits at night, as occurred to him just last night after being in court all day, and knowing that review of those exhibits will be, a, will be necessary for cross-examination of witnesses today, certainly can't be making his job any easier. So let's slow down. Could it be that the only reason the prosecution had a good day yesterday was because the defense was exhausted? You know, the prosecution has multiple lawyers, and some have pointed out, some, some left outlets, leftist outlets, that it's a bit unfair, but not really. Just that You've got four, I think four lawyers for the state, a couple working behind the scenes and then two prosecutors and only one defense lawyer. It would be even better if Chauvin had multiple lawyers because I, I wonder if people realize this stuff. I know a lot of people probably do, especially if you're an athlete. When you work, when you talk, you drain yourself. Some people seem to think, oh, when I go running, I get really tired. So I could probably stand for a long period. of No, 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 no. Listen, it's really amazing when you watch an MMA match, people run out of gas. They really do. Some of the strongest people, when they're fighting with that, that, that intensity for a few minutes, they get exhausted. Nelson is one guy up against many, up against the state. So I can only imagine he might be having a rough go of it. However, he seems to be doing a really, really good job. A really good job. So who's going to win? My friends, I don't know. I can tell you this, not us. There's going to be riots no matter what happens, apparently. And several Black Lives Matter activists have already alluded to that point. One person even saying it's going to it's going to get bad. Let me explain a very simple point on the way out with this segment. First degree murder would mean that Derek Chauvin premeditated the killing of George Floyd. We know that's not true. He was only there because he got called to the scene. Second degree murder would mean that it, that upon seeing George Floyd, he decided in his mind he was going to kill that man. I don't think you can prove that, especially with the taser scenario. Murder three is he intended to harm the individual and that resulted in death. Nah, I'm sorry. The taser throw all that stuff, all that stuff out. That's, that's it's really amazing testimony. And manslaughter, I believe, would be his negligence uh, causing the death. But if George Floyd is a cop who's trained to do this, it's different. Listen, you as a regular person, if you pin someone to the ground and put your knee on their neck and they die, they can get you on manslaughter. You're not supposed to be doing that. You're not supposed to be fighting people. You're not supposed to be restraining people. 
unless you're acting in self-defense and waiting for somebody. As a cop, you are asked to do this. This changes things. Regular people think, why, why? It's not fair. Why is the cop getting convicted? Because we asked the cop to do this. The system is the problem. And it's the state that's the problem. And the state, quite literally, is prosecuting Chauvin for what they are responsible for. The trainings the government provides. We're going to see how this plays out. I'm going to keep tracking this trial. But I got to tell you, it's going to be fun and interesting. Try and read as much as you can if you want to pay attention. Check out Legal Insurrection dot com and Andrew Bronca's uh, 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 breakdowns of this his wrap ups seems to be some of the best I've seen so far. So uh, shout out Andrew Bronca. Excellent analysis. And uh, I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 8 p.m. tonight over at youtube.com slash Timcast IRL. Check it out. We'll take your comments in real time and we will see you all then. Where would we be without intrepid journalists like Jimmy Kimmel? giving us an important sit-down interview with the son of the president. Why, just the other night, we learned, we laughed, we loved, and we even cried a little bit when we learned about the tragic life of Hunter Biden, how he overcame adversity and even stuck it to Vladimir Putin a little bit. Well, if it wasn't for Jimmy Kimmel, we wouldn't know the truth. I'd also like to extend a heartfelt thank you to the intrepid journalists who covered the election news with vigor and ferocity. And especially over the past four years, as they as they slammed that criminal Donald Trump Jr. I think you get the point I'm trying to make. It was a waste of time that pe- people on social media are calling Jimmy Kimmel and Hunter Biden dumb and dumber. And I look back at the news about Donald Trump Jr. And they just tried to smear him relentlessly. And what did Trump Jr. do that was anywhere near what Hunter Biden had done? Hunter Biden has been implicated in some very serious scandals criminal activity, and he is a crackhead. All right, well, was a crackhead? I guess we should be fair. He's got all his teeth now. But these photos going around showing his crack teeth, it's insane. The fact that he got to that point, he was in shambles. And you know what? I, I, I throw it back to, to uh, Joe Biden. I mean, he's responsible for the life of his child. And it's strange to me when I mention that and people are like, no, you can't, you can't blame the dad for what his kid did. Yeah, I can. I absolutely can. They raised the guy. Sure, he's 50 and he's a crackhead. What about his life led him to this point? I get it. We all have free will. And at a certain point, your parents can't do all that much. I just think Joe Biden's a bad person. I think he's a manipulative, duplicitous, eh, corporate shill politician. And so is his son. And that's why it's no surprise. Don Jr., was he ever given this, this laugh fest with Jimmy Kimmel doing a pro book tour? We literally have a crackhead for uh, as the son of the president. Now, here's the story. The Daily Mail says Jimmy Kimmel is blasted for joking about Hunter's drug addiction in their lighthearted interview as they are branded dumb and dumber by social media. Jimmy Kimmel was last night blasted for joking about Hunter's drug addiction. Social media users branded the pair dumb and dumber after they laughed about how the president's son used to smoke crack cocaine and take his clothes off. I'm just I'm just going to do this. I'm I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to do this. Snopes. Did Hunter Biden say he smoked Parmesan cheese? True, saith Snopes. Okay, just so you know where we're at. Pants were the problem, the 51-year-old Timmel, the 51-year-old told Kimmel during the interview to promote his new memoir. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see that, you know, we have so many inner city young men and, uh, uh, you know, career addicts or crim- career criminals and uh, drug addicts 
rotting in prison and suffering. And then you can see how Hunter Biden is. Uh, uh, he didn't go to prison. No, he got a cushy job at Burisma. This, this is this is what we don't like. This is what regular people don't like. I say we because I, I, I assume you don't like it either. But it's not just left. It's not just right. It's not just moderates. It's regular people. We watch as some dude in Chicago is an addict. He, he needs some drugs. He gets arrested. He goes to prison. We watch as Hunter Biden gets the help he needs instead of prison. And now he gets to be rich more. He's already rich. Sure. Great. That's the game. And they put it in your face. That's what Jimmy Kimmel is doing. That's why it's funny to them. They're in the club. They know it. You ain't in it. It's the Hunger Games. It's seriously the Hunger Games. The Capitol said he will flaunt and laugh as this dude's teeth rot out of his face. He commits crimes. He reportedly is lying on federal background check forms to obtain a gun as a crackhead. No punishment. In fact, he gets rewarded. Now that's privilege. Some viewers were less than impressed by their attitude towards cocaine and more broadly, how the late night host failed to grill Hunter on his role on the board of Ukrainian gas firm Burisma or the infamous contents of his laptop. You know what's worse than Hunter's stupidity? It's Jimmy Kimmel's stupidity. He's talking to Hunter about Burisma on the laptop as if it was a lie. Dumb and dumber too, one user tweeted. Another wrote, Jimmy Kimmel, why are you having a criminal on your show? I have no respect for you or your show. I understand you are a serious liberal, but there are facts there, there are fact this guy done something shady and you bring him to hunt. You, you bring him to Hunter Biden makes you look like an idiot. A third person tweeted watching the media and Democrats try to humanize him has been something to behold. Hunter was on effing Jimmy Kimmel last night. The stuff we know about how uh, we know about is awful. But what we don't know is likely so much worse. Let's play a game. Daily Mail reports Hunter Biden jokes that keeping his pants on was a problem when he was using crack and continues to claim he doesn't know if his laptop is his, if, if, if laptop is his, despite forensic evidence proving that it is in lighthearted interview with Jimmy Kimmel. So there's the news. The Daily Mail says that they have confirmed with forensic experts the laptop was his thanks to its digital fingerprint. Sure. I give you, ladies and gentlemen, journalism. NPR tweeted October 22nd, 2020. Why haven't you seen any stories from NPR about the New York Post's Hunter Biden story? Read more in this week's newsletter. And they posted this image. We don't want to waste our time on stories that are not really stories. And we don't want to waste the listeners and readers time on stories that are just pure distractions. It's absolutely a distraction that the son of then presidential candidate was a crackhead who has teeth right out of his face where emails revealed that he was organizing meetings with Chinese interests. All of that was all just a non-story. You know, it's really crazy. The Hunter Biden laptop story may be one of the biggest scandals in American history. Not, I'm not exaggerating. A vice, former vice president and presidential candidate was implicated in cutting pay-for-play deals, essentially, with China, flying his son on Air Force Two government property to negotiate private equity deals. This guy wanted to be president at a time when people are talking about potential war with China and China is seemingly interested in, in uh, raiding Taiwan and seizing power. If the U.S. can't defend its allies in the Southeast, uh, in Southeast Asia, I mean, we're done. The U.S. will no longer be the superpower. It will be China. This may be the biggest scandal in U.S. history. The son of the president, a drug addict criminal, who has reportedly committed felonies, 
was involved in these schemes, was making money, was was telling people that he was getting a cut for the big guy, his dad. Organized crime has taken over this country. That's the easiest way to put it. Now, look, I have no problem giving credit to Joe Biden if he does something I think is good. I like a lot of the infrastructure package, but a a lot of it is too much of that cult woke nonsense. I like the idea of fixing bridges and roads, so let's not give him too much credit. What worries me now is war is building up on the Ukrainian front with Russia. China is the real threat. But you see, these career criminals, these organized criminals, they want that natural gas. They want that oil. They want, they want the Qatar Turkey pipeline. They want to focus on that. Why? Well, that's where their money's at. You see, Hunter Biden's son, I'm, I'm sorry, Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's son, is, is put on the, 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 the board of directors of Burisma, natural gas company in Ukraine. Surprise, surprise. It is as corrupt as it comes, and it's, it's happening right in front of our faces. Jimmy Kimmel is a clown for organized crime. He wants regular people to look at Hunter and smile and say, oh, what a crazy guy smoking crack cocaine. What a drug addict. Ah, it's no problem, though. Everybody else goes to prison, right, you know, for that, let alone as the son of the president. These are the politicians we get. The Daily Mail says the president's son appeared on Jimmy Kimmel Live Thursday to promote his new memoir. Oh, he gets to make money doing it. Kimmel asked the 51-year-old about his laptop, which became a source of intense interest in the run-up to the election. Amid claims Joe Biden had done business with China and was compromised. Claims, that's right. A family confidant came out on the record, Tony Bobulinski, and said, it's all true. Amazing. I saw you talking about the laptop in interviews, and it became a big thing. And when you are asked if it's your laptop, you say you don't know, Kimmel said. And that is hard to believe unless you read the book, and then I'm surprised you have shoes on. Amazing. So he's saying Hunter Biden doesn't know if it's his own laptop because he's a crackhead who smokes Parmesan cheese. Biden, who writes in graphic detail about his crack addiction, replied, yeah, I made it today. Pants were the problem. His flippant remark was all the more ironic because one of the photos found in the abandoned laptop shows Hunter standing in his underwear. Social media users immediately lashed out of the lighthearted interview and slammed both Biden and Kimmel as dumb and dumber for joking about drug addiction. (laughs) Well, there's a photo during the Kimmel interview. Biden returned to the subject of the laptop which was handed into a repair shop. This, this, I'll, 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 give you the, I'll give you the gist of it. Uh, a laptop was, was left with a computer repair shop. Hunter Biden apparently never came to pick up the laptop. We don't, maybe it was Hunter Biden who dropped it off. The computer repair guy then, I guess, passed it off to uh, the feds, made a copy. Journalists got their hands on it. The story was published. The contents are insane. Emails, it's just, it's nuts. A lot of journalists have published a lot of things about it. And I think the fact that this guy is the son of the president, and implicates the president in such crazy ways. Wow. They go on to say, uh, Jimmy Kimmel says, don't you ever wish you had Apple care? Ha ha. Biden conceded that would have been a good idea. Elsewhere in the interview, Biden also hit out at Donald Trump Jr. Oh, because Trump Jr. has certainly done things this bad, right? After the former first son repeatedly trolled him in recent days over his crack addiction. Does it make you crazy when you hear someone like Trump Jr. say the only reason you're able to get away with these things is because you're a Biden and because of your last name? It's wildly comical. That's putting it lightly, Biden said. But I don't spend too much time thinking about it. What's comical about it? The dude got caught with crack. They, they searched his car. Apparently, they found a crack pipe in his car at one point. This dude doesn't go to jail for it. He claimed on a federal background check form he wasn't an unlawful user of drugs. But he admits on TV he was a crackhead. Is Joe Biden going to come out and arrest his own son? Order the DOJ to arrest Hunter Biden? 
Of course you won't, because they're criminals. It's what criminals do. It's a big club, and you ain't in it. He also spoke about his controversial appointment to the board of Ukrainian energy firm Barisma, which critics have claimed he was unqualified for and was only given because his father was vice president. He said, go to the beginning. I went to Yale Law School. I served on a dozen boards before Barisma. I was a vice chairman of the board in Amtrak and a chairman of the board in the World Food Program, supporting the largest humanitarian organization in the world. I had an expertise in corporate governance, and I was a lawyer, which is how I was first approached. However, what I didn't take into account was the way in which they would use the perception against my dad. I would not do it again for that reason. Shove off, dude. He's like, look at all the other boards that I was placed on because I was the son of the vice president or the son of a prominent senator. Scumbag. It's disgusting. You are not someone special. Where are the other prominent Yale Law School members who are dominating this board? Sure, I know. There's probably a lot. What I'm saying is, you get put on these boards, the board of these other companies. That's not absolving you of what happened with Barisma. Okay, you get it. You get those positions because of your dad. You get to go to Yale because of your dad. That's all you are, a crackhead with a last name. And now we, the American people, are supposed to sit back and laugh about it. Jimmy Kimmel is a piece of garbage. The California based father of five spoke after DailyMail.com confirmed the laptop was indeed his. They say the Daily Mail commissioned top cyber forensic experts, Merriman and Associates, to analyze its data and determine whether the laptop contents were real. And apparently they were. The firm's founder, Brad Merriman, is a 29 year FBI veteran, supervisory special agent, who served as an information security officer and founded his first computer forensics lab. Merriman and his business partner, Dr. Joseph Greenfield, used the same forensic tools to pick apart the drive as federal and state law enforcement use in criminal investigations. The report said the data on the drive appears to be authentic and that after an extensive search of its contents for angry for, for any telltale signs of tampering, Merriman and Greenfield found no evidence of fabrication by Russians or anyone else. Quote, the data on the system before April 2019 appears to be related to Mr. Biden, with timestamps appearing to be to be between 2016 and 2019. The operating system timestamps appear to be authentic, and no evidence was found to suggest that the timestamps or data were altered or manufactured. No indications were found that would indicate the data was manufactured. In a presidential debate in October, Joe Biden referred to the leaks of Hunter Biden's emails as a bunch of garbage. But in an interview with CBS on Sunday to promote his new book, Beautiful Things, Hunters of the Laptop could be his. There could be a laptop out there that was stolen from me. It could be that I was hacked. It could be that I was, that it was, that it was the Russian intelligence. It could be that it was stolen from me or that there was a laptop stolen from me, he said. And he doesn't know. This is what you get with irresponsible drug addicts. You know what I bet? I bet the dude sold it. I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if look, the guy's scraping the ground for Parmesan cheese. Okay, he's scraping the ground for crack. He accidentally picks up Parmesan cheese and he smokes that. How much you want to bet? He just sold the laptop for whatever he could get. Please, I just need some money. And the guy needed to find a way to get into it and brought it to a repair shop. I'm speculating. Okay, maybe not. On Thursday, the DailyMail.com exposed the secrets of Hunter Biden's abandoned laptop. Among the 103,199 text messages on the drive, dating from 2016 to 2019, are fraught conversations between Joe Biden and his son. The bombshell cache of 103 text messages, 154,000 emails, and more than 2,000 photos and dozens of videos are packed with revelations conveniently missing from the memoir, including how he begged his father to run for president in 2019 to salvage Hunter's own reputation, how he repeatedly dodged police action against him 
despite constantly dealing with drug pushers and prostitutes and having multiple run-ins with law enforcement. Hunter was guarded by a Secret Service agent while on a 2018 drug and prostitute binge in Hollywood, despite not being entitled to protection at the time amid denials from the federal agency. I'd like to stress that point for you, my friends. You want to know what corruption is? Corruption is when you are the son of a former vice president addicted to crack and going on a crime spree and the federal government protects you. Tell me that's not organized crime. A Secret Service agent protected this man while he committed very serious crimes. Rules for thee, but not for me. Joe Biden was afraid his text conversation with Hunter were being hacked even as they discussed his White House bid. How Hunter's laptop is brimming with evidence of apparent criminal activity by Hunter Biden and his associates, including drug trafficking and prostitution. I don't know what to say, man. I don't know what to say other than we know they know. We, we know they know. We know they know. They know we know they know. That's how it goes, right? It's a big it's a big game. And everybody knows how it's played. Everybody knows that all the way to the top, they're crooks and they're criminals. Now, a lot of people wanted to rag on Donald Trump and Trump Jr. And I think there's things to criticize that family for, for sure. The way I've always described it is, I think Trump is a different kind of corrupt. It's like a more of a moral corruption. Let me explain. Trump's business dealings were, let me just say, well, cutthroat. Uh, caveat emptor is probably the best way to explain how I view the Trump uh, enterprises. And that's, let, that's Latin for let the buyer beware. In terms of whether or not he would screw over the American people, honestly, that I don't see. I just see him as in private business dealings. He would take what he could, buyer beware. It's a different kind of corruption. You know, maybe you're a cutthroat businessman. Maybe, maybe that's the better way to put it. Not something I'd agree with. What we get, though, from the press is that, you see, Joe Biden didn't come from a rich family, apparently. He was a kid from Scranton, I guess, and he moved to, Del- uh, to Wilmington, Delaware, or whatever. But he's privileged. He runs for office. He is one of the worst politicians I think this country has ever seen. A lot of the laws he passed should have put his son in prison for a very long time. That's not what happens. Check this out. I just pulled up a random story from 2017. Donald Trump Jr. had direct contact with WikiLeaks during campaign. And? No, seriously. You look at the level of scrutiny that Trump Jr. was put under. You look at the insane fake news that was published for years about Trump Jr. and the things he was doing and the meetings he was having. And it was all nothing. They wanted to bring down the Trump family, and they couldn't. They tried desperately to accuse him of everything, and it just didn't happen. Now, perhaps, perhaps you on the left, good madam or sir, would say, see, the, the, the Trumps get away with it too. All right, lock them all up, whatever, I don't know. I'm sick and tired of people committing crimes and getting away with it. I'm sick and tired of this idea that if you're in public office, you can get away with whatever you want. Now, it's not that simple. There are many politicians who have been indicted and go to prison and things like that, you know. But there are just some people who are untouchable. Now, I'll tell you this. Having researched everything from Russia Gate to the Hunter Biden stuff, I don't see anything with Don Jr. other than he's kind of a he's kind of a, a frat bro kind of personality. Oh, no, the guy's got a personality that the left doesn't like. And he posts snarky snapbacks on Twitter. All right. Hunter Biden has pictures with his teeth rotted out of his face, standing in his underwear He's an admitted crack addict. He reportedly lied on a federal background check form. He was doing illicit dealings with China, reportedly, you know, for litigation purposes. And uh, his laptop, the big scandal and Joe Biden's involvement. You know, they talk about Donald Trump, the emoluments clause. They talk about all that stuff. 
And now we sit back and we're just supposed to laugh as Jimmy Kimmel tells us it's funny. It's funny. Uh, you're a cracker and your laptop and the crimes that were admitted on it. Wow, that's amazing. The Daily Mail says that they uncovered evidence of this, these illicit dealings. Jimmy Kimmel, I ain't got to talk about that because Jimmy Kimmel's job is to make you okay with the criminal elites ruling the country. How many people voted for Joe Biden? How many dumb young people just don't care and we have to suffer because of it? How many dumb people saw some dumb celebrities say, yo, rock the vote, you got to vote for Joe Biden. And they're like, yeah, I'm going to vote for Joe Biden. And they go and they vote for Joe Biden, not knowing or caring about what he has done, what his family does. They come around, they claim we oppose racism. And then they go and elect one of the most racist guys ever. Joe Biden, been in office for, you know, 47 years before he became president, passing many of the laws they claim were racist because these people don't care because they're tribalists, because it's a cult. It's, it's, it's amazing. And they want you to join it. They want to erase anything outside of their monoculture. And they'll threaten you with violence. They'll threaten you with unpersoning. And it happens all the time. It's only a matter of time before uh, they, they come from my YouTube channels, I can imagine, because they've done it to Crowder. My Facebook page was already removed from the, part, the monetization program. So again, I, I think it's only a matter of time. The fact that Hunter Biden can be a crackhead, we, 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 we can see the evidence and he gets to go on Jimmy Kimmel and laugh about all of it. Meanwhile, Don Jr. is villainized. You know how the game works. It's a big club and you ain't in it. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out and I'll see you all then. In my previous segment, we discussed the softball interview Jimmy Kimmel conducted with Hunter Biden. We long know that the media, social media was doing everything in their power to prop up Joe Biden and restrict information on the scandals his family was involved in, very serious ones. Notably, the private equity deals with China that his son was engaged in and the criminal investigations into Hunter Biden and Joe Biden's brother, Jim. Well, now we can face the consequences of this. We have a president who is failing miserably. The Daily Mail reports March saw the most migrant children crossing the border in a month in history with 19,000 kids taken into cramped shelters that cost $60 million a week. They kept saying there was no crisis. AOC lies to all of her unfortunately ignorant constituents. It's not a migrant crisis. Are you sure? Here's the data from CBP.gov. Take a look at this. This year, 2021. It's already higher than we've seen in several previous years. According to the data, it's a historical record, a historical record. Now, I want to be fair and point out, as there are more and more people born every day and population is growing, the numbers will go up as well. But now we're at a point where the system absolutely can't handle this. Steve Scalise posts video from border allegedly showing children coming into the country illegally. This video is insane. Steve, Steve Scalise, live at the border. This is out of control. It's the middle of the night. We've seen dozens of children's flow freely across the border in just the past few minutes. This is the reality of Joe Biden's disastrous amnesty agenda. So let me make sure I make it clear for all of you. Was it bad under Donald Trump? Yes. Did Donald Trump try to stop it? Yes. Did Donald Trump say build the wall? Yes. Did Donald Trump take immigration seriously and pass the migrant protection protocols? Yes, 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 yes. Donald Trump said, you want to come to America? You got to wait in Mexico while your, your uh, asylum is being processed. Joe Biden breaks that all down. And now people are rushing to the border. Now, some people are trying to claim the only reason that these people are coming now is because the COVID restrictions are being lifted. 
I'm sorry, the borders are still restricted. Many places are still locked down. Joe Biden says we might need more restrictions. We're still distributing the vaccine. I don't see that as a legitimate reason. I don't think people who are committing crimes in, in you know, especially those who passed through Mexico where there weren't that severe of restrictions stopped coming here simply because we said there was a pandemic. Sure, the border was closed, but these people aren't going through the border legally in the first place. We heard it. ABC News and, and, and I believe NBC that these people are coming specifically because Joe Biden has opened the door for them. Well, let's talk about the record surge. The Daily Mail says March saw the most migrant children crossing the border in history, with 18,890 unaccompanied minors being taken into cramped shelters. The previous record was when around 11,000 children crossed the border in May 2019. The March numbers provided by Customs and Border Patrol Thursday represented a 100% increase in crossings compared to February. Overall in March, the CBP encountered more than 172,000 people attempting to gain entry along the southwest border, which represented a 71% increase over February 2021. The CBP's acting commissioner, Troy Miller, pushed that the situation was under control, saying, CBP has experienced an increase in encounters and arrests. This is not new. Encounters have continued to increase since April 2020, and our past experiences have helped us better be better prepared for the challenges we face this year. Miller said in a statement attached to the new numbers, we are committed to balancing the needs of, uh, of, maintain, of maintaining border security, care for those in our custody, and keep the American people and our workforce safe. It was also revealed on Thursday that Biden's defense, Biden's Department of Health and Human Services is spending $60 million a week to house the the child migrants in 10 shelters across the country. Where are the Democrats at? Republicans have been complaining about this the entire time. The Democrats only complained about the Republicans. And now that it's worse than ever and kids are sleeping in the dirt and under bridges, where are the Democrats at? I don't I don't know. Even look, the energy is drained from me with stories like this. Because I know that you know, and you know that I know, we all know. The Democrats aren't being honest. It is deception and manipulation. And now here we are with the worst crisis we've seen in history as it pertains to migrant children. And yet, what do we get? Manipulation and lies from the media, Democrats changing their, their talking points, defending the, the, the facilities. It just, it just really drains me. Because I don't know how much I can keep saying the same thing that we all know. Democrats are lying about all of this. They say it was also revealed Thursday that Biden's Department of Health and Human Services figures seen by The Washington Post show the cost of caring for one of these youths is $290 a day. And the 7,700 available beds have already been completely overwhelmed. President Joe Biden also tried to characterize the influx as normal seasonal upticks. We know this. It happens every single solitary year. I've pointed this out before, and I'm not interested in, in repeating the, the, the psychotic lies of this ineffective, pathetic president. I mean, look at these border spikes. It happens every year. No, it doesn't. Here's the year by year data, you liar. How many of these progressive Internet personalities and Democrats defended what Joe Biden was doing and said, no, no, it is just seasonal. And they're trying to go, well, because of covid, people are now finally coming shut your mouths, you liars. It doesn't matter if there's some magical underlying reason we can't quantify. It matters that Joe Biden stopped construction on the border wall and now he was forced to flip flop. They say families are pouring into the U.S. from Mexico on a daily basis and have pushed crossings up to their highest level in 15 years. A shocking video of an abandoned migrant boy telling border agents he feared he would be kidnapped and footage of his of Ecuadorian sisters aged three and five, being dropped over the wall 
have exposed the dire situation. The top House Republican minority leader, Kevin McCarthy, tweeted Thursday, President Biden said the surge was seasonal, but the numbers don't lie. 172,000 migrants were taken into custody last month, a two decade high. Under Donald Trump, we had these problems. It wasn't as bad as it is now, but we did have some very serious problems. Donald Trump's whole position was opposing this. What more could you ask for? You don't want these people coming to the desert. You don't want kids risking their lives. You don't want them being used as props. And Donald Trump took it seriously. Was he the best? Did he get it right? I don't, I don't know. What we look for in an individual is willpower. Will they actually do something about the problems we see? Joe Biden? No way. They're going to say McCarthy told Fox News that he requested a classified briefing from the FBI and CIA on the matter and said Harris should attend. I know she hasn't been to the border, McCarthy told Fox. I don't know if she's ever been to a briefing on this, but I think it'd be important that all leaders, because this isn't about Republican or Democrat, this is about the security of our nation, and everybody should be making sure our nation is secure. McCarthy's call for Harris to finally address the crisis came as more images emerged of, of migrants from Honduras, Guatemala, and El Salvador crossing the Rio Grande and packing shelters in Texas. Harris hasn't made a border trip in the 15 days since she was charged with dealing with the root causes of the immigration crisis, a role President Joe Biden described as dealing, dealing with the Northern Triangle countries and Mexico in an attempt to stem the flow. Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas will travel to El Paso and McAllen, Texas on Thursday, holding events that are, are closed to the press. So this is yesterday. Closed press. Remember when President Biden promised transparency? Republican Rep. Jim Jordan tweeted about the announcement. McCarthy also chimed in. The DHS secretary is heading to the border today, but is denying press access. Americans deserve transparency on the crisis the admin created. Biden also hasn't yet traveled to the southern border. The Biden administration has tried to push that they're pursuing a more humane border policy than the administration of former President Donald Trump. You know, this is the most insane, ridiculous politicking that I've ever seen. Well, maybe, I mean, maybe that's, that's a bold statement. The issue is that Donald Trump wasn't trying to be inhumane. He was trying to stop people from coming by getting rid of what's called a poll factor. The more Joe Biden says all of this stupid BS, the worse it will get because these people will exploit the crisis. They will take children with them who are not their children and they will dump them in the desert. That way, if they get caught coming through, they'll say, I'm just with my kid. And the emotionally driven liberals will just be like, don't separate the family. And if you try to explain to them, this dude is not this kid's dad. This kid is crying. They don't care. They don't care. They'll just say families shouldn't be separated. You don't know if that's the family. Well, Steve Scalise came down to the border and he filmed this video, which is just absolutely insane. House Republican Whip Steve Scalise continued his criticism of President Joe Biden's immigration policies during his most recent trip to the U.S.-Mexico border. Quote, this is out of control. It's the middle of the night. We've seen dozens of children flow freely across the border in just the past few months. Scalise tweeted early, uh, early Friday morning. This is the reality of Joe Biden's disastrous amnesty agenda. The post included a video allegedly showing migrant children crossing into the country illegally. Quote, as we're here at the McAllen facility, you just saw a large number of kids just come running across the border, Scalise says in the video. Here they, uh, here, they are right here, just came into the country illegally, ran across, just got apprehended by Border Patrol agents. Scalise continues, and it's going on all around us. We've only been here less than an hour, and we've already seen multiple encounters of people coming across, probably over 100 people right here in just the last hour. The Louisiana rep led a delegation of 10 GOP members to the southern, southern border, 
The delegation was scheduled to meet with Border Patrol agents and participate in an evening ride along tour with the National Border Patrol Council on Thursday. On Friday, the group will tour the Donna Migrant Processing Facility and tour the border wall in McAllen, Texas. Scalise was joined by Rodney Davis, Michael McCall, Devin Nunes, Richard Hudson, French Hill, Bob Lada, Nicole Maliatakis, Steve Stivers, Ann Wagner, and Steve Womack. Womack also posted a video to Twitter of the McAllen Processing Facility. The video showed what he said were rows of families and unaccompanied children ranging in age from 7 to 16 or 17. This is a terrible issue facing our country right now, the Arkansas Republican said. And he's right. And I'm not happy about it. I wasn't happy about it under Trump. I'm not happy about it now. Uh, I just, we need strong rhetoric. We really, really need strong rhetoric. We need to stop the poll factors. Joe Biden can talk about all of his fancy ideas and all of his policy positions that he think would help. But one thing is true. The more he says, we're going we're gonna to let these people come. We're going to bring them to school. We're going we're gonna to help them. The more they will come. You can tell these people they'll be arrested. But Joe Biden's running catch and release. Some of these people had COVID. It's like 101 people tested positive for COVID. and They're like free to go. Of course, then we saw many on the right point out if your state is trying to keep you locked down and they're, they're also demanding that COVID positive illegal immigrants be allowed to just enter the country and, and do what they want. It was never about the pandemic. I don't I don't know how you rectify that. I really don't. I don't know what YouTube expects me to say about this. They have the lockdowns. We saw the Today Show saying, oh, the lockdowns are, are, are actually backfiring. I don't know what, what their point was supposed to be. What am I supposed to say? Am I supposed to agree with the illegal immigration? Because YouTube says you can't disparage illegal immigrants. No, I'm not disparaging. I'm just saying they have COVID and they're being led in the country. Should I just agree with the idea that people could just walk in? Or do I challenge this? I don't know what YouTube wants. Their, they, their rules are insane. We saw, you know, you know, you guys know Gad said he apparently made a satirical post about, uh, I think it was passports or, or censorship or something. And then YouTube just takes his post down. That's the way it works. It's always an accident. Marjorie Taylor Greene gets suspended on Twitter again. Just an accident. It's always just an accident. Meanwhile, the lunatics on the left can push insane and broken policy with with impunity. They can give off insane opinions. They go on to say the number of unaccompanied minors is is a 64% increase from the previous monthly record set in May 2019, when nearly 11,500 migrant children traveled to the border to enter the U.S. The Biden administration has said it would accept migrant children because it would be too dangerous to turn them away. But border facilities have been overwhelmed by the number of migrants, even as the administration rushed to open new emergency sites. In his Twitter video, Scalise said Biden created this magnet where he said the border's open and look what's happening. This is out of control. It's true, though. Biden repeatedly said in the debates that moratorium on deportation. Uh, we, we saw the other Democrats saying decriminalize border crossings. What do you think that means to these people? It's a chance. Donald Trump said no. Donald Trump said the opposite. What do you think it means to criminals? MS-13 gang member is caught entering the U.S. illegally. Just days after it was revealed, two Yemeni men on the FBI terror watch list were arrested, sneaking over the border. What did you think was going to happen? When Donald Trump said that they were criminals, smugglers, drug dealers, traffickers, and all that stuff, do you think he was making it up? Now, look, I know the people who watch these videos, it's preaching to the choir. For most of us, we know this because we follow the news. But for your run-of-the-mill Democrat voter, they don't know anything about this. I don't want to see kids sleeping under bridges. I didn't want to see kids sleeping in these facilities under Trump. The problem is Joe Biden 
not taking it seriously. I mean, maybe he will if he starts to rebuild the wall and start to deport these people. He has had a little bit of tougher rhetoric. But ultimately, it's just Democrats will throw red meat to their base. They're not going to do what needs to be done to make this country work. It's just, in my opinion, it's a game to them. They want power and they know they have to just do the bare minimum to make you think they're doing something. I mean, look at gun control. How does it make sense that in Maryland, M1A banned? SCAR 20S, legal. For those that aren't familiar, SCAR 20S is an AR-15 variant with a Picatinny rail, making it very easy to customize, whereas the M1A, not typically as easy. Different kind of gun. The law makes no sense. So what you get is now Joe Biden saying, you know, they want to make uh, uh, short-barreled rifles, they call them, or they're they're pistols, right? There's something called, you you can get an AR-15 pistol, which basically means it's the barrel length. Joe Biden wants to make those NFA items, meaning you got to fill out a form, pay a tax, it won't do anything. It won't change anything. It, it's ridiculous what they're even proposing, I suppose. It just, it just makes no sense. And they're doing it because they know that it'll play to the emotions of these Democrats. So they'll just give them something that's nonsensical, that won't fix anything, won't change anything. It'll just infringe people's rights. But at least then the Democrats are satisfied. Joe Biden gets on stage and he's like, you know, we're, we're going to put a, mor- a moratorium on deportations. What does that mean? Why? Why are you going to do that? because he just wants people to vote for him. And so he wants to say whatever he needs to say. How insane is it? The Democrats have moved in 10 years from demanding a border barrier to now saying no deportations. The funniest thing is when there was, there was one viral, there's a viral tweet going around where someone said that Joe Biden will restart, you will, will, will build the, the, the wall, right? We'll build the wall. Some, some blue checkmark leftist said the wall was actually already there before Trump, mind you. So what, like now you're defending the wall? Of course, of course, they won't outright come out and just say they support the wall. They'll be like, well, maybe, you know, Joe Biden is doing what he has to do. The New York Times did, though. The New York Times ran an op-ed saying Biden should finish the border wall or the next Trump will do it. Is that his point? That if you don't deal with these problems, people vote for the other guy? Imagine. Isn't that shocking? That's how the, that politics works. These people are nuts. Check this out. An El Salvadorian gang member was among the migrants detained by the Border Patrol in the early hours of Wednesday. The agency said the unnamed 28-year-old was described by the Customs and Border Protection uh, by, by CBP as a documented MS-13 gang member. The gang was founded in L.A. In the, in the 1980s and then mixed with California's prison gang culture and was exported to El Salvador. There are currently believed to be around 10,000 MS-13 members in the United States out of 1.4 million known gang members in the country. These people don't mess around. And you, you get, y'all would be wise to know that the MS-13 gang members, quite possibly one of the most powerful and dangerous gangs on the planet, effectively their own government. They don't care. You don't talk smack about these people. There were some hackers just like 10 years ago who were smack talking MS-13. They got strung up, killed, hung from a highway, something like that, because these dudes don't mess around. They want you to know. And so what we get now. Donald Trump has no point disparaging them, saying really powerful things about them, and the media smears him. It's incredible, you know? Trump came out and said, you know, when, when Mexico's sending its people, they're not sending their best. He, made a, he was making a point that the media didn't want to actually understand. The point was, we want people who come to this country who are going to work hard and be part of the community and help us. But the people who believe in that stuff file legally to come to the border. Criminals don't. So the point Trump was making was that the people who are coming to the border are those who are violating the law and don't want to function reasonably with 
our society. They want to come here and they want access. They want to effectively exploit the system and make money and send it home. I can respect that drive. America's great. American dream, baby. But they're not sending their best. For this, Donald Trump was smeared relentlessly. And now we know gang members, suspects from the FBI's terror watch list apprehended. I remember when it was like Trump or some other personality said that there were Islamic terrorists coming across the border and everyone laughed and said, that's absurd. It's not true. Well, now we got at least two. Maybe it's not the end of the world. Maybe it's not a million, but two, that's a lot. Like these, are, these people are dangerous. One is, is dangerous. So maybe you want to argue semantics on your opinion. The fact is, though, we are looking at the worst we've seen in history with this border. And I don't know how you solve it because we got four years of Joe Biden. I'm not convinced Democrats, uh, I'm, so, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not convinced Republicans would do anything either. I'm really not. I imagine that if in 2022 the Republicans take back the House, they won't have the Senate. Maybe they only need to win one seat. But what will they get, be able to get done? They're not going to be able to override a veto. They won't have enough votes. So in the end, until 2024, until Joe Biden passes the torch to Kamala Harris, not like Kamala Harris is going to work with Republicans either. The problems will likely only get worse. Now, we are hearing, you know, Joe Biden saying that he'll, he's going to start deporting people. OK, we are hearing him say he, he may continue the border wall. OK, well, when you do it, I'll give you credit for being stronger on this stuff. But he, he's he's so far from it. I feel like even if Joe Biden comes out with strong rhetoric, it will never match the rhetoric of Trump. But I don't know, man. I really don't. Even under Trump, we saw a major spike. And the speculation then was these people realized that Trump's new policies would stop them from ever getting in. So now was their only chance to try and rush through now. And many people pointed that out on the left. They said, by Trump coming out saying, we're going to shut this down, you've got people panicking and surging to the border to try and get in before it's too late. Well, they couldn't get in. They couldn't. A lot did. A lot were turned away. And it worked out. Now it's the opposite. My biggest concern is the kids. This video of this kid walking through the desert. I mean, this is scary. Look at this video. Lost migrant child crying and scared, found by CBP on his way home. The boy said he was abandoned by the group he was with. Why? They use children as props. Some of these kids are probably stolen, like kidnapped. And then they cross the border with the kid and then they abandon the kid when they don't need, when they, when they don't need the kid anymore. When they're crossing the border, they need to say, we're a family, please. And then what you get from the left is family should be kept together. Ah, keep that smuggler out of jail. It's crazy stuff, man. I remember when I was, uh, I was, I was uh, in California, I was covering the drought. I ended up going down south to the border. There are prison facilities just with illegal immigrants. And to these people, they're like, hey, it's better than where they came from. So they'll take it. Why are we doing that? That's insane. Putting these people in these facilities just to hold them for what reason? Just don't let them in in the first place. Have them go to the checkpoint, fill out the proper paperwork. Then they can come in and we know what's up. I guess the libertarians, for the most part, agree with open borders. They're in line with the leftists in very weird ways. It's interesting how politics works these days, but I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then.